up here. So let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word of God, and we'll pray for Pastor Dave's family too as well. Let's bow our heads and our hearts. Uh, Lord of heaven and earth, we come before you again, Lord, uh, to thank you uh, for all your precious promises and your faithfulness. And Lord, with heavy hearts, we lift up uh, the Johnston family to you, Lord, and uh, we know um, that we do grieve, but not like those without hope, but we still grieve. And Lord, your word says that when one member is hurting, the whole body feels it, and that we weep with those who weep, and we as a body of Christ, are weeping for the Johnston family uh, yet again. Lord, we just thank you for a faithful leader who has dedicated his life to you, he and his entire family. And we know, Lord, what the enemy intended for bad and evil, Lord, you will make to good. And so we just ask, oh Lord, that you would give us the eyes to see down the line how you're going to work all things together for good. And Lord, we just pray for your strength. We pray for your peace and your understanding. Uh, We pray for your comfort because your word says that you are the God of all comfort. And so, Lord, we ask that for the Johnston family tonight. And Lord, now as we go to your holy word, we ask, oh Lord, that um, it would be your words and not mine, uh, that I would decrease and you would increase, Lord, for it's your words that they are truth and they are life and they are spirit. And that's what we need to hear tonight, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. And Lord, if there be anyone in here who does not know you, uh, who has not accepted the free gift of salvation, Lord, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. And we pray, Lord, that anyone in here who has, uh, anyone in here that has the ears to let them hear. So Lord, we love you. We commit this time to your trust for your glory and for your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray and the saints said, Amen. amen. All right. So we're in Proverbs. Chapter 8, hope you got your Bibles open, B-I-B-L-E, right? Who in here does not have a Bible? Okay, if you don't, we have Bibles in the back. We teach through the whole counsel of God, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So obviously context is important, right? You can't just jump into a text without the context. That's very important. So King Solomon, who was the son of King David, he is the one who wrote Proverbs, Right? And King Solomon essentially was known for his wisdom. Amen. There we go. Amen. He was known for his wisdom. If you guys remember in 1 Kings, God says, ask me anything and I will give it to you. And Solomon asked not for riches, not for money, not for unlimited subscription to Netflix, right? Even though they didn't have that then, but not for chariot and horses, but he asked for wisdom to govern your people. And then God gave him wisdom and Riches. And so in 1 Kings, it tells us that Solomon wrote over 3,000 Proverbs. And so the word Proverbs, it just essentially means to govern or to rule. And so even in our own lives, we have some Proverbs in our lives that we use to help govern our lives. Uh, little sayings that we use to help govern us and keep us on track. And so Solomon is the one who wrote Proverbs. But essentially, Proverbs is full of what we call wisdom. Can you guys say that with me? Wisdom, right? And if you try to do anything without the Lord, you're taking the whiz out of wisdom and you're now dumb, okay? Amen, remember that. Do not take the whiz out of wisdom, right? Jesus is the whiz in wisdom. And so uh, these Proverbs provide wisdom. And essentially what it is is knowing, understanding, and applying heavenly principles for earthly living. It's really God's mind and what God thinks about everything in all of your daily living. Relationships, work, family, everything. It is what the way God sees it through a biblical lens, our relationship with God and our relationship with people. So essentially, and this is how it helps me understand it. So essentially, Proverbs is an owner's manual for life. So like an owner's manual explains what needs to be done to avoid serious problems, but it doesn't tell you that problems are not going to happen or doesn't say it's going to prevent them from happening, but just what we do when it does happen. And so if you look at the entire 66 books, it's been said that the Old Testament is for our learning, the New Testament is for our living, but the whole Bible is for wisdom, understanding God's perspective. And so the main theme in in the book of Proverbs is wisdom versus folly, righteousness versus wickedness, and diligence versus laziness. Nobody in here is lazy, right? We don't struggle with that at times, right? 
<laughs> so uh, essentially the world is a battleground. It's a battleground between wisdom and folly, righteousness and wickedness, good and evil. And what Solomon does is he personifies these elements as, a, a, as ladies. So he says, lady folly and lady wisdom. Lady folly is essentially Satan. Lady wisdom is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, which we're going to see clearly in today's text. However, godly wisdom cannot be attained other than through the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And that is a theme that's all throughout scripture. I won't read all of them, just two. Proverbs 8.13, which we'll see today. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and the evil way in the perverse mouth do I hate. Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding have all those who do his commandments. Now, the fear of the Lord can be said, it's not, when you think the fear of the Lord, some people think, oh, I'm, I'm so petrified of him that if I pray, I, I pray wrong, then he's going to strike me down dead. If I don't read enough scriptures, what am I, he's going to come down the rock. No, that's not a healthy fear of the Lord. Uh, that type of fear will prevent you from doing anything for the kingdom of God. You're going to be like the wicked servant who took the talent and buried it in the sand and did nothing with it. That is not a healthy fear of the Lord. A balanced fear of the Lord is understanding both what God is capable of doing, right? but also what displeases and dishonors the Lord, and you don't want to do either. Does that make sense? And so a healthy fear of the Lord can be summed up as a reverential submission to the Lord that leads to a life of love, worship, and obedience to God. And the fear of the Lord, non-believers don't have it because you need to be born again to have that. Amen? Romans 1 tells us that one of the characteristics of the ungodly is that there was no fear of God in their eyes. And so the fear of the Lord comes from being born again, and you grow in that as your relationship grows. So in uh, going to Proverbs chapter 8, the chapter before that is a direct contrast, and Solomon personifies this adulterous woman in, in Proverbs 7. And one day I'll get to that. I just didn't do it today. But he personifies this adulterous woman in Proverbs uh, chapter 7, and then he now has um, Lady Wisdom in chapter 8 contrasting them. And essentially what Solomon is doing as he's instructing his son, he's outlining the type of relationships that are godly and the type of relationships he should stay away from. And I think that's great wisdom for all of us. Solomon does personifications because life, ladies and gentlemen, is about relationships. If you didn't know that, it's all about relationships. And in fact, when Jesus says, what are the greatest commandments? He basically outlined the two relationships that are in our lives. Love God, heart, mind, soul, strength, right? That's vertical. Love people. That's horizontal. That's the cross, right? So all of our life has to do with relationships, with God and people. Now, if you guys haven't figured it out, if you're not aligned vertically, your horizontal is kind of messed up, right? If you're not right with the Lord, typically the rest of your relationships are going to be a very, very messy without the Lord's guidance. Amen? And so we want to have the cross vertical with the Lord, horizontal with the rest of the people. Does that make sense? Amen. All right. Today, the title of today's message is, there's nothing, absolutely nothing better than Jesus. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Saints, the lie that's going around since the beginning of time is that there is something and someone better than Jesus. That is the lie of sin. That is the lie of deception. That is Satan's goal is to get you to buy into that, that there's actually something or someone better than Jesus. And so we're going to see today that Solomon outlines there's nothing better than the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's get to our text. I'm not going to preview the outline. We can do that as we go through it. First point, Jesus is always pursuing us. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. If you wouldn't pursue me, I'd be in trouble. Amen. All right. Uh, verse number one. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates and the entry of the city and the entrance of the doors. And the NLT version reads this, listen as wisdom calls out, hear as understanding raises her voice. 
on the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads, by the gates, at the entrance of the town, on the road, leaning in. Now you see here, Solomon outlines wisdom as a lady, as a person, as a girl. Um, it's not a girl. He's personifying it as a girl, but it's really Jesus. And no, Jesus is not a girl, okay? So this is Hebrew poetry, and this is how they write back then. So when people say, well, no, Proverbs said Jesus was a girl, you got to give them a little bit of education, all right? Just educate them. No, that's Hebrew language back then, and let them know Jesus was not a woman. He was a man, right? Okay. So, but he's outlining it as a woman, and, and when he says, cry out, lift up her voice, take her stand on the top of the hill where the paths meet, this is a picture on how God reaches out to each and every individual. As a pastor, I get it often all the time. Well, Pastor Camper, well, if what about those people who don't live in America, right? And they live like in a third world country, like in the mountain places somewhere where the gospel they don't hear about Jesus. And so if they don't have Jesus, then, I mean, you say they're going to go to hell. So what kind of God would allow these people who've never heard of him to go to hell? I don't think that's fair, right? That's what they say. Well, in scripture, we see that there is general revelation and salvific revelation, right? And so we see all throughout scripture in Psalms, it says that the heavens declare the glory of God right? And that creation, all of creation needs a creator. Every building needs a builder. And so Solomon's saying is that wisdom, which is Jesus, we'll see, calls out in every single part of the world. Well, how so? Creation is everywhere. Do you guys know anywhere in the world where there's not some form of creation, sky, sun, tree, land, water, right? The stuff didn't just appear. The creator who was there in the beginning, God was already there, the creator was already there. And through that, the Bible says God is calling out to each individual. I think it was Acts 17 that he pre-appointed their dwelling points so that they would grope and seek after him for he is not far from each and every one of us. God is not hiding from anyone. And Solomon is outlining to his son, take heed and listen. Wisdom is crying out in your paths, in front of the grocery store, in the mountaintop, in your car, in your dreams, everywhere you go, the Lord is pursuing each and every one of us. And so he outlines that. Proverbs 1 and 20, for you note takers, it says, wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street to those gathered in the front of the city gate. Again, implicating that God is not tight-lipped and trying to hide things from us. He's not. He's really trying to reach out to each and every one of us. I think of uh, John the Baptist. Well, who are you? He said, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Make way to straight the ways of the Lord. God is constantly and always reaching out. For you note takers, John 7, 37, Jesus cried out, if anyone thirst, let them come to me and drink of the water of life. There's this constant open invitation on the outline. No matter where we are in our walk, he desires us to know him. Listen, understand, and value your relationship with the Lord. This mystery person called wisdom is seeking to communicate by crying out, lifting her voice, standing in all of our paths by every gate, entryway, and every door. Saints, if you look back on your entire life, you guys can see God's hand reaching out to you in every aspect. I look back on my life way back when before I was even born. I just recently found this out. But apparently when my mom was pregnant with me, she was on her way to an abortion clinic, and then there was an earthquake. So that didn't happen. Then she was at a nightclub, and there was a shooting, and the bullet went a centimeter from her belly when, I was, when she was pregnant with me, Right? There's way more, but you look back at all those things and God's hand of protection has always been on my life, even when I was not serving the Lord. I look back at all the people that I ran into when I was not walking with the Lord that spoke into my life. It didn't mean anything then, but it stuck with me. And now there's fruit from that. Each and every one of you can look back on your life 
and see all the times that God's hand has continually been stretched out. And non-believers can see that in your lives too. And that should be a part of your testimony. As before in the book of Proverbs, Solomon here wrote of the wisdom as if she were a person, a noble, beautiful, helpful woman in contrast to the immoral woman described in Proverbs 7. See, Solomon is teaching his son how to recognize the difference between a godly woman and an ungodly woman, namely pointing to Jesus himself. See, those of you who are parents and have kids, the best thing you can do is get your kid to Jesus. Next to that, the best thing you can do is get your kid in a relationship with people who are in a relationship with Jesus, right? And so Solomon, using the wisdom that God gave him, is instructing his son on what to look for in a, a woman of God. And you can switch it for if you have a, have a daughter and a man of God. He's searching and he's telling them, this is what you need to look for. I like to say Jesus has an open door policy. He always has his hand stretched out, inviting us to come learn of us. For your note takers in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, come to me. All of you are heavy, laden, and weary, and I will give you rest for your soul. Come learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can you guys look in Scripture and name anyone that Jesus refused? And they came and said, no, no, I think you need to, you know, clean your life up a little bit, okay? And then get together, and then I'll come and I'll assess whether you're clean enough to come. That's never been the Lord. In fact, we don't get clean before we take a shower. We go to the shower to get clean. And so we come to Jesus because we're a mess, not because we have it all together. So Jesus is constantly reaching, and that's why we need to taste and see that he is good. The greatest example of this is the cross. His hands literally stretched out to all mankind. There's more, it's been said that there's more to be learned at the foot of the cross than anywhere else in the world right? Amen? I loved how with Jesus, they were like, how did this man know so many letters? Never learned. He ain't got no seminary. How did he learn that? Right? <laughs> well, obviously, because he was the epitome of wisdom, right? He stands at the door, entrance. Saints, draw near unto him, and he will draw near unto us. See, Solomon makes it a point to describe wisdom as doing everything she can to get our attention, Lady Harlot from chapter 7 was deceitful, loud, rebellious, and enticing. Those were her tactics to get our attention. Yet, saints, we can only serve one master. Every day, there's two influences that are trying to get and grab your attention. There's that from the enemy, and there's that from the Lord. And both are desiring to have your affection. However, one deserves it, which is the Lord, and another one doesn't deserve it at all, which is Satan. See, saints, there's this constant of competition. And if you notice the location that wisdom cries out, yes, we have the synagogues, we have the chapels, we have church, right, where we know the gospel goes. But I love how it doesn't just implicate one location, but all these other locations, which reminds us of the Great Commission. I had a, a brother in Christ the other day was angry, he said, because you church people only care about the people in the four walls. And that's not true. Not at all. See, the church is the equipping ground, right? For the equipping of the saints, where we get edified, where we get charged up. But every day when we go out, that is our mission field. No matter where you are, grocery store, work, driving, vacation, saints, that is your mission field to go therefore out and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen? And do not miss out on those opportunities. See, we have radio stations here, which I think our church is on five of them. You got social media, YouTube, website. The Lord is constantly reaching out. The other day when I was here on campus, they had a lot of parents and families here. And um, a lady asked me, hey, what's your name? And I said, oh, you know, Joshua. She goes, Camper, are you Joshua Camper? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know, okay. Who are you? Right? And she's like, oh, you're the guy on the CD. And I'm like, I don't remember being on no CDs. She's like, well, we went to your church several years ago, and they used to hand out CDs with you and Pastor Dave on it. And she said, thank you so much. I was so blessed by your messages. Now, I totally forgot. But guess what? That's a ministry. 
sharing the message, handing out CDs, that is a ministry that we don't recognize that is very, very fruitful. And that's how also the Lord reaches out to people. Because how can they call on whom they have not believed? How can they believe on whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone faithful to share the message of the cross? Amen? Saints, we got to be faithful, right? The Lord is faithful, always reaching out. And that's what we need to do. Nothing compares to what we have in Jesus. Verse 4, he says, To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. The NLT reads this, I call to you, all of you. I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Again, speaking of wisdom personified, this is the message she presented to the men and women. See, this loudness of yelling and the perseverance of the voice is that of an earnest friend who warns someone from danger. And this is something that is, is people struggle with now is as the commandments are revolutionizing and they're adding to it, you know, thou shall not convict is a new commandment. You guys heard that one, right? Thou shall not convict. Thou shall be nice, right? You guys heard that one, right? So people are thinking if you tell someone or warn someone about danger or sin, you're one of those judgy Christians. You're judgy. You guys know one of the famous verses, the only verses non-believers know is thou shall not judge, right? They know, I know that's in your Bible. I don't know anything else in there, but I know that's in there. Thou shall not judge. But saints love warns. If you love someone and you care about them, you warn them when they're on their way to danger. You warn them if they're about to drive off the cliff and they're not looking. You warn them. And Solomon is saying, hey, this voice, wisdom, is going to warn you. It's not going to allow you to go off the cliff because it loves you. She loves you. See, example, about three years ago, there's a, um, one of my former coworkers I worked with like 10 years ago. She was giving her testimony on, I call it fake book, but that one was real. So she would give her testimony on fake book. And she was talking about how when she was, uh, before she was really, really walking with the Lord, she would constantly get counsel from her ungodly, her ungodly friends. And she said one of her coworkers who was a Christian came in and told her like, why are you getting counsel from them? You need to get counsel from the Lord. And that really, really impacted her. And so she's giving her testimony there. And I heard that, I'm like, hey man, praise God for that person who did that. And she wrote back, she said, that person was you. And I had totally forgotten because I talk so much, I forget what I say sometimes, right? <laughs> but I had totally forgotten that was me. But I was excited, like, hey, praise God, somebody told you that you shouldn't be walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And she said that always stuck with her. And from there, she, it really helped her with her relationships with people because she didn't choose friends who were not walking with the Lord. But again, love warns. And usually when people say, you said, I always, again, I get, because I don't know what, I forget what I say. So, you know, I'm hoping that it's of the Lord, hopefully, every time, right? <laughs> Amen. He says, sons of men, that means all people, not just men. He says, remember, God so loved the world. Usually people argue with that sometimes. Well, the world doesn't really mean world. It kind of means like, you know, they elect or so on. It's the world. It's everyone. Because you see all throughout scripture that God wills that none shall perish. The gospel, I, to, I, kids really understand this because they play video games. You guys know video games are rated. You have, you know, rated you know, 13, rated mature, rated E. I like to tell people the gospel is rated E for everyone, right? It is rated E for everyone because Jesus came to save all people. Solomon explains that Lady Wisdom is crying out, speaking and seeking all people. Saints, the Lord shows no personal favoritism. It doesn't matter where you come from. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you come from that part of the country. It doesn't matter if you're red, black, yellow, green. It doesn't matter. It's level. And this is the message that comes from wisdom. It's been said that Christianity is exclusive, impossible, and oppressive. And that it's only for a special group of people. I would just simply say, yeah, a special group of sinners. And you're all of us fall into that special group that Jesus died for, right? But essentially, Christianity is actually the most inclusive of all the faiths because God invites us to have a relationship with him, everybody, 
through the person of Jesus Christ. There isn't in any more inclusive faith than that of Christianity. And there isn't any more realistic faith than that of Christianity because it deals with the sin problem. How do we get forgiveness of sin? Jesus saw that on the cross. Amen? Do you hear the voice of the Lord, saints? Is it nudging you to draw near? Are you fulfilled with that which you spend the most time doing? Is something missing? The Lord is calling you to himself in a personal relationship where true satisfaction lives. And so for someone in here who has not been born again, you'll feel that nudge because you're doing it over and over and you're not being fulfilled because God created you to have a relationship with him through Jesus. And until you do, heard it said, uh, it was somebody, I mean, nothing new under the sun. It says that our souls are longing, our souls are restless until they rest in Christ. And so that means they're just constantly searching, constantly going like an engine, constantly running until it's united with the God that created us. This is the message. And even for us who are born again, I even have to be careful not to get on autopilot because I can get caught in doing so much work in ministry that I forget to sit at the feet of the Lord. We all have to be very, very careful. See, saints, some of us think our greatest enemy is our flesh or the devil, and the devil is going to be correlated with this. But most of our greatest enemy is the enemy called busy. Amen? Is that if he can't make us bad, he just make us busy. And if you're busy, you're ineffective, right? If you look at the, the story with Mary and Martha, it said she was burdened or she was distracted with much serving. Distracted, okay? Demonic distraction. We can all fall into that. Solomon is saying that wisdom is calling and giving the warning, do not get caught up in that. Saint, let's answer the daily call of the Lord to commune with him, make time for him, delight in him, and fellowship with him. Amen. Verse six, listen. That's a hard one, ain't it? Listen, for I will speak excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things, for my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are plain to him who understands and right to those who finds knowledge. Solomon, Solomon essentially is saying that this is what wisdom is saying. Listen up. Everything I tell you is valuable. It's truth and there is no impurity in it. I give you sound counsel to help guide you, and they are easy to understand for those who are seeking truth. So the question is, are you seeking truth? See, a lot of people only want to seek what's convenient for them. And if it's not convenient for them, then they declare it not true. Well, saints, truth is truth whether anyone believes it or not. And a lie is a lie whether you believe it or not. And every lie has a consequence. And so the truth is being made clear to each and every one of us. Remember what they said about Jesus? John 7, 15, for your note taker, it says, And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? John 7, 46, Never has a man spoke like this before. Mark 7, 37, Oh, behold, he does all things well. And Jesus said of himself in Matthew 12, 42, the queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. That's the Lord. And so he uses these words. Verse 6 says that wisdom is offering excellent and right things. Verse 7 says wisdom is offering truth. Verse 8 says, the words of my mouth speak righteousness and doesn't offer wicked things compared to the woman in chapter 7. Verse 9 says, to the simple, to understand knowledge and not confusion. Saints, what does the alternative offer? That's what he said. There's nothing better than Jesus. What happens is Satan comes in and deceives and says, well, highlights the fleshly part, 
like the Israelites, what did they highlight? The leeks, quail, right? They didn't mention the beatings, though. They, they didn't mention any of that. The enemy had them worry about the fleshly things. Not only were you in bondage and you couldn't worship the Lord because that was the whole point of you being released to go worship the Lord in the wilderness, but you also were being beaten and oppressed and you were in bondage, but you didn't highlight that because that's what the enemy does. He highlights that which appeases the flesh and then wants you not to think about that which puts you into bondage. Amen? And so this whole personification of wisdom, it offers us something. Righteousness. You know, the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. On your outline, 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that you and I can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He puts on his righteous robes on us because guess what? Sin, we're naked, Adam and Eve. They're walking with God in the cool of the day. Sin came, they try to cover themselves up and then God covered them, right? With animal skins, which I believe was a lamb as we see further in scripture. But he clothes us in his righteousness. He gives us the truth because Jesus is the embodiment of truth. And he gives us knowledge. The Bible says that we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, saints, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, but the end it leads to death. We have to be very, very careful not to be enticed by the things that Jesus died on the cross for. Amen? When we have a close relationship with the Lord, those things will plague our lives and our relationship with him. And they normally lead to emptiness, despair, depression, a feeling of worthlessness, anxiety, all those things. See, what Jesus offers us is so much better. It's way better. All this saints points to the person and work of Jesus. He clothes us. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He offers us eternal life. See, saints, the scripture is essentially it's one big hymn book. Not H-Y-M, but H-I-M, right? See, Hebrews 10, 7 tells us that, Behold, I've come in the volume of the book that is written of me to do thy will, O God. Luke 24, 44, he says, I fulfill all the things that were written of me in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. See, saints, the Old Testament is full of Jesus coming, saying that he's coming. And then the gospels tell us that Jesus has arrived. Remember John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in that powerful book of Acts, Jesus is proclaimed, right? In every message, Christ is proclaimed. And then the letters, the epistles, Jesus is explained. And then Revelation, drum roll, he coming back. And I hope you guys are ready. Amen. But from start to finish, it's all about Jesus. Every book, every line, every verse points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Solomon does not want his son to miss any of that for anything. Saints, that's my type of friend, the type of person I want to be married to and the type of person that you want your kids to be married to and have a relationship with. Amen. Saints, what counsel do you follow? Who do you listen to for advice and guidance? See, wisdom is always speaking, yet so is folly. Do you know the difference? See, it's been said that discernment is not just knowing right from wrong, but it's knowing right from almost right. See, we have all these cults and all these lies, not because people are dumb, but because it sounds almost right. Same words, all the cults, Jesus, Lord, Savior, love, forgiveness. They use all those terms, but they mean different things. That's why we need to search the truth. Like Jesus says, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. The scriptures are beaming of Jesus. See, saints, we live in a world of propaganda. No, really? We live in a world of propaganda. See, propagandists keep saying something over and over and over as if it's true until people accept it as if it's true, even though it's not true. See, the communists, for example, they spread their lying philosophy of anti-God and hate, 
political oppression and economic folly around the world by using a technique, as you guys heard, called the big lie. Hitler used it. A lot of people in history have used it. There's nothing new under the sun. Satan invented that. That is satanic because Satan is the father of lies. See, the same technique is used today in advertisement and in all the cults. What they do is they slant the truth to sell their product and they make it look more gratifying when it is not. See, saints, we need to search the truth from the truth. And that is the word of God and the person of Jesus Christ. One should always seek counsel from those who have the spirit of the Lord. For you note takers, 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13 says this, believers do not have the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God. Proverbs 21, 30 says this, there is no wisdom or understanding or counsel that can stand against the Lord. Amen? That's what I want to be rooted in. I want to be rooted in the truth that comes from the one who gives us truth. Nothing compares to what we have in Jesus. Verse 10, Solomon then says, receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared to her. Now Solomon exhorts his son again to heed the instruction even over silver and gold. Now back then that was the hottest commodity. If you had a lot of gold, usually it was the kings and those who were very affluent had gold and silver. That was the main thing. Now today a lot of us don't really care about gold, right? Care about money, we don't really care about gold that much. But there's other things in our life that we, that is very, very highly desirable depending on where you come from, right? And so Solomon is saying that whatever is trying to grab your attention, whatever is trying to seek your affection, seek Jesus over that because nothing can be compared to Jesus. See, saints, what's the purpose of having possessions if you don't have the skill or knowledge to make the most of it, right? That's like someone giving their, their four-year-old son a car. Pretty helpful. Can he go to the store for you? Can he go off the block for you? Why not? Man can't drive. He ain't got no skills. No skills to pay the bills, right? And so Solomon's saying, guess what? If you don't have Jesus, none of these things are going to be helpful in your life because you're not going to know how to use them for the kingdom of God. See, saints, God has given us all things for a purpose, yet we need to seek him for instruction and guidance. See, we live in a time where what people feel has replaced what God has said. I hear it all the time. Hey, well, what, well I feel like, and oh, okay, well, what about, well, I feel like it should, what did God say? What does God say? We don't care about what you feel. That's great. You feel something. That's awesome. That's amazing, right? But what does the word of God say? That's what I need to know. When people come and ask me, Pastor Carver, I really need your opinion on it. As soon as they're saying, I'm picking this up. Okay, I'm listening. No, I want your opinion. Yeah, it's right here. It's, yeah, I don't have an opinion. This is what it is, right? Whatever my opinion is, it has to align with this. So I don't allow my opinion to shape the word of God. I allow the word of God to shape my opinion. That's how it's supposed to go, amen? Because we're idiots, straight up. I don't know, we're sheep. Sheep can't see, poor death perception. They'll eat to death without a shepherd. They'll fall off the cliff. We need help, amen? This is the ultimate counsel. Solomon is instruct, instructing his son to heed the instruction. Not I feel, your feelings are real. Okay, I'll validate you guys, your feelings are real, all right? They are real, but like I like to say, they're a smoke alarm. They just alert you that something's going on, but you don't go call 911 when your smoke alarm goes off. You investigate and you see, okay, guess what? You need to pray. So when you say, I feel, you need to say, Lord, help. Amen? Why do I feel this way, Lord? Help me and guide me. Saints, we need to choose obedience over pleasure. Do what is right, not what feels good. When I talk to parents and I have parents ask me questions, I don't know why they think I'm such a great parent. Um, I get everything I get from the word of God. And they ask me a lot, you know, well, I, I, like, I, I, don't, want to hurt, I don't want my kid to not be happy, right? And I always remember telling them, does the Bible say, be ye happy or be ye holy? Amen? And so I always instruct parents, well, no, you want to guide your kids in holy living. 
And what I tell them is that God didn't call us to be happy, but to be holy. But if you're holy, you'll be happy. Amen? And that is the instruction from Scripture, is that if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will fall into its proper order. If you hit the head, the rest falls in position. Solomon's instructing his son that it's all filtered through instruction, holiness over happiness. Saints, how many times in a day are we faced with the opportunity to make a choice between holiness and happiness? Think about it. I tell the kids, opportunity to play games, read the Bible, gossip, or pray. Watch inappropriate movies, listen to music, or study the Word of God. You guys might not like this one. Watch The Chosen or read Scripture. I don't know, right? Spend endless hours on social media. As I said, fake book, Instacrap, Snapcrack, and Flitter. <laughs> All are vanity. All are vanity, right? Because that's what they end up leading us into. Now, I'm not saying there can't be any good from that, all right? I know some of us, I have it too. I, I post scripture and get off right away so I don't get caught up in that. But saints, we need to pray to be filled with the spirit of the Lord, that we would desire holy things and not earthly things. Solomon's message is nothing compares to what we have in Jesus. Verse 11, when he says, for wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared to her. Saints, there's nothing on the earth that compares to being in obedience to the word of God. Nothing. You can, do, you can put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. You can try to fill your gap, your hole with something else, but nothing will fulfill by being in the will of God. Nothing more satisfying. And like I'd like to tell people, you outside of God's provision, you're outside of God's protection. I want to stay within the will of the Lord. Essentially, Solomon is saying his wisdom is like the pearl of great price. You guys remember that parable? Where Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price, where a man sold the whole, buried the, the pearl and sold the whole field to get the one pearl? That is what wisdom is like. That is what Jesus is like. He is worth giving up your entire life and everything you have for the one pearl. That's what Solomon is comparing Jesus to. See, this is like comparing the eternal with the temporal. Treasures in heaven with treasures on earth. The corruptible crown with the incorruptible crown. Amen? Constantly I have the young teenagers, so I'm like, dude, how do you, Josh, how do you just keep going? You're just like an energizer bunny. I'm really, I'm not. But they say, how do you constantly do all this ministry? I say, well, it's perspective. They say, well, other people do that. I say, well, yeah, but here's the perspective. Like Paul said, they for a perishable, we for an imperishable one. And it's all about perspective. I know one day my goal is to stand before the Lord and hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. And plus, what else would I be doing? Amen? If this is what God called me to do, I want to do it faithfully and I want to do it with excellence and to God alone be all the glory. See, saints, the only way Solomon's son would heed his father's instruction over his fleshy desires would to know the value of that instruction. See, back then it was silver and gold. Today it's money, career, sex, drugs, pornography, pleasure, etc. And like back then, none compares to the Savior. None at all. See, in Acts 20, the Apostle Paul, he says, none of these things move me. None of them. Neither do I count my life dear to myself that I may, what? Run my race with joy. I'm talking about heavenly things. See, saints, our hope has never been in this life, but the life to come. And that's the type of perspective we have to have in, in order for us to value the word of God. Otherwise, it'll just be another book for us. The instructions are important. How in the world was Job able to say, though you slay me, yet will I trust you? Only because of the eternal perspective. Saints, this is how we're going to be able to value the words of God and our relationship with Jesus above anything and anyone else. It lays our eternal heavenly perspective. For you note takers, Proverbs 3, 13 and 15 says this. Happy, oh how happy, is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than that of silver and the gain 
of fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare to her. Again, talking about Jesus. It's all in there. Anything you can desire, flesh or spirit, cannot compare to Lady Wisdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 3.18 says she's a tree of life. Saints, we can avoid much harm in our lives and our relationships if we heed the word of God. Something as simple as following directions when assembling something is as simple as heeding the word of God. How many times you, be honest, this is a church, don't lie. How many times you guys put something together just because you know how to do it? I have. Something simple. It can be simple, right? I know John has, amen, right? And sometimes we do it perfectly fine, right? And we know how, but other times we could be missing out on something and we don't even realize it until it falls apart, right? Amen. Solomon is saying you don't need to wait till it falls apart. Just do it right the first time. Amen. I don't need to do trial marriages. I don't need to do trial parenting. I need to just heed the word of God the first time. Amen. I don't know how to do it already. I need to just go back to the script and follow what the word of God says. See, saints, Bible, some of you guys have heard this before, basic instructions before leaving earth, follow the instructions. Amen? Follow the instructions. See, set your affection on the things that are above and not here on earth, because where your treasure is, there your will be also. So good. Amen. Verse 12, point number two. Not only is Jesus always pursuing us, but Jesus walks with us through life. And I cannot tell you how glad I am to know I am not walking alone because life is tough. And I, can, I did life without Jesus, like walking closely to Jesus for like the first 20 plus years of my life. And the last 10 plus, I've been walking with Jesus and all I know is his faithfulness. And I would never go back to the beginning 20, ever. Never, ever, ever, ever. Because God is faithful and I'm glad that he walks with us. Verse 12, here's what it says. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and the evil way and the perverse mouth do I hate. And the NLT reads like this. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Solomon says, wherever good judgment, knowledge and discernment is, those, that is where wisdom will be. The outlines, the characteristics. See, the word prudence can be defined as wisdom applied to practice. So wherever true wisdom is, it will lead to action. Saints, it does us no well just to hear the word of God, Right? When it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, what it means is you hear it and you do it. Amen? You can't just hear it and not do it. Part of growing in your walk with the Lord is not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. We don't care how much someone says, but what do they do? Give me an example, Pastor Cameron. Thank you for asking. Jesus in the wilderness, right? We always point to how Jesus quoted the word, but he quoted it and he obeyed it. He didn't just say, hey, man, shall not leave all bread alone. But you know what? Let's rock, right? I mean, he didn't do that. He said, man, shall not live all bread alone. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, as he's still hungry and starving, did not turn the rock to bread. That is obedience. That's not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. This is the message, saints, is that where wisdom and prudence is, there is action and obedience. And no, saints, obedience is not a swear word. It is a very good word, and we need to use it. Amen? It's okay, right? I like the example of Solomon when he had his wisdom and they brought those babies to him. You guys remember that? And I lady's like, go ahead and saw them in half, right? Let's, let's saw them in half then, see who it is. That's wisdom for you. I wouldn't have thought of that, for sure. Not at all. But again, that wisdom came from the Lord. The Lord is the one who gives this sound wisdom. See, when he says the fear of the Lord... As I said earlier, fear of disappointing the Lord, therefore one departs from all things that would displease him. The Lord hates evil, so should the saints. The Lord hates pride, 
so should the saints. The Lord hates arrogance, so should the saints. The one who truly fears the Lord will remove themselves from these things. Reverence for God. I think we've lost a lot of that. We have a lot of churches, people doing backflips in the pulpit, not honoring it. You can, I get jokes every now and then, but at the same time, I love how in the book of Nehemiah, when they read the word of God, the people said, amen, they bowed down and they worshiped in spirit and in truth. What happened to that? That when the word of God, people reverence it and they take it for what it truly is, the bread that comes down from heaven, that fills us, that sustains us. We've lost a lot of the reverence for God because we're losing the fear of the Lord. The Bible says he hates pride, arrogance, and a perverse mouth. And saints, so should we. For you note takers, Psalm 97.10 says, you who love the Lord hate evil. Proverbs 6 talks about six things that the Lord hates. And guess what? One of them is pride. I don't need to talk about that, right? Because we're, we're all over that, are we? We're good? No, we can probably preach the rest of the time on that, right? Because we all struggle with pride. I call it pridolatry. It, it's essentially idolatry of self. It, it is thinking more of yourself than you ought to think. Saints, pride is the only disease known to mankind that makes everyone else sick except the ones who has it. Mm. Oh boy, right? <laughs> Nobody likes being around prideful people. Not, not one at all. And it's the prideful person that looks around and says everyone else is prideful, right? But saints, humble ourselves under the word of God. See, saints, some people study meology instead of theology. It's not about us. Solomon wants his son to know the right path is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when Jesus walks with us, the Holy Spirit reminds us that he's in control and not us. Oh, that is a hard one. Who in here likes being in control? If your hand's not up, you got to wake up, okay? We all like being in control. Stop it. We all do. Let's just be real. But the reality is Jesus is in control. And the whole Jesus take the will shouldn't only be in crisis moments. It should be every day when we get up, Jesus take the will. Amen? He guides us with his counsel, wisdom, and understanding. Psalm 37, uh, 23 says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That's one of my prayers every day. Lord, order my steps. I've come to get my marching orders. What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to say? I'm surrendering to you today. That is wisdom. That's taking it. Amen? Verse 14, counsel is mine. Sound wisdom. I'm at the super speed up. Sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Amen. So Solomon starts to lay out the character of Lady Wisdom, our Lord Jesus Christ. When he says, by me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. Remember, saints, I know this is hard because we look at government and we look at leaders and we're like, Lord, help them. Like, get them out of there, right? But we have to remember is that the Bible says that God sets one down and sets up another. Is that the prophecies in Daniel and in the Psalms, in Psalm 75, 7 says, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Daniel 4, 17 says that they may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. See, great leaders, presidents, princes, kings, and those who are in power are only successful when they operate under the wisdom of the Lord. And it was said, I forgot who said it, I'm sure you guys can remind me, that if America stops being a nation under God, there'll be a nation gone under. I think it was Reagan, right? Okay? All because God is the one who sets up authority. Now, it's been said that when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. And so sometimes we have to look at our government and then look at the condition of the heart of the people. Yep, Christians, we're a remnant, but that doesn't mean we can't make change. That doesn't mean we can't petition to the Lord for the government and those who are in authority. 
because prayer does change things. Amen? See, God's people, Israel, they were successful as long as what? They obeyed the Lord. As long as they consulted with the Lord, they were a successful and mighty army. I think of Alexander the Great. Even he was wise enough when he came in, in the prophecies of Daniel not to harm God's people, not to touch God's people. Even Alexander the Great knew that. But saints, here's the exhortation. No matter who's in the white house, the blue house, or the glass house, the king of kings and the Lord of lords is still on the throne. Amen? So it doesn't matter who's over here or who's over there. We have to realize that our God is still in control, no matter what it looks like. Amen? See, Jesus is the answer to, our, to fruitful relationships and ministries. When we're right vertically with him, it straightens out all our horizontal relationships. See, he works in the leaders of the land on your outline. When he says, I love those who love me, I think of the scripture in 1 John where it says that we love, why? Because he first loved us. He's constantly reaching out and he's the initiator is that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we could have done nothing. But he constantly makes a way for us. Saints, we get to know the love of the Lord by growing in a loving relationship with him. Solomon has outlined that this clear that wisdom extends her hand to those who reach out and seek her. A lot of people will say, well, I haven't, I don't hear God talk to me anymore. Like I haven't really heard him. I feel really distant from the Lord. Have you read your Bible lately? Oh, no, I haven't. Go read your Bible and you'll hear him speak clearly, very clearly in the text of Scripture. Saints, if you ever feel distant or like you don't hear the Lord, all you have to do is go open up your Bible. Amen? God has spoken. The question is, what has he said? And do you know what it is? Go back to the Word of God. Oh, how often we forget how readily available the Lord's wisdom is to us. See, saints, you know, the Bible says that if anyone lacks wisdom, we should ask. But we get panicked and we get frantic and we forget. Lord, my job, ask. Lord, my marriage, ask. My kids, ask. Your finances, ask. Your family, ask for wisdom. And the Bible says that he will give liberally without reproach to the one who asks in faith. Amen? Jesus satisfies us with the purpose and spiritual riches. Read verse 18. It says, riches and honor are with me. Enduring riches and righteousness, my fruit is better than gold. Yes, than fine gold and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice. And so, yeah, physical riches are okay, but this is not what referring to here. See, Solomon continues on the benefits of having a relationship with Lady Wisdom, which is Jesus. And so we're not talking about 401k, stocks and bonds, but spiritual wealth that the Lord gives. See, spiritual gifts and endowments to be used for the kingdom of God that no one can take away. See, I don't know about you, saints, but I like to have things that no one else can put their hands on. I like to have things that will endure for all of eternity. So remember, a new heart is better than a new car. A new life is better than a new house. And these are the riches that really matter. See, Luke 12, 33 says this for you note takers. Sell what you have, give alms, Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, and where no thief approaches nor moths destroy, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. True everlasting treasures which no one can take away or infringe upon only come from the Lord Jesus Christ. They for a perishable, we for an imperishable, as Paul said. Amen? It was D.L. Moody, I think, that said this. He says, I'm so thankful that I have a joy that the world cannot rob me of. I have a treasure that the world cannot take from me. I have something that is not in the power of man nor the devil to deprive me of, and that is the joy of the Lord. 
Amen, amen, and amen. Saints, that's what we operate in. Those are true spiritual riches that only the Lord Jesus can give. And if you ever forget that, abide in Christ. Connect back to the vine. See, Jesus satisfies us with purpose and spiritual riches, not just earthly ones. And I'll read through this quickly. Now, verse 19, your text, here's what it says. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue, so, uh, I already read that, choice silver, I traverse in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of justice. Point number three, Jesus is the eternal creator of all things. Verse 22, the Lord possessed me at his reign, the beginning, I'm sorry, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I've been established from everlasting, from the beginning before there ever was an earth. When, the, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthens the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limits so the waters could not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in its inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. If that's not Jesus Christ, I don't know who it is. I don't know who it is. There's no one else that fits the bill. Saints, all of this explains wisdom as Jesus personified. Every single bit of it. The New Testament, John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was the creator of all things. And then we see that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is the creator of all things, and everything was made by Him, of Him, and for Him. See, saints, evolution is alive from the depths and the pits of hell. See, God is the creator of the universe. And I'm sorry, I just don't have enough faith to believe that something came from nothing, that order came from disorder, that chaos produced order, and randomness produced precision. I just can't believe that. I'm sorry. Scripture makes it clear that in the beginning, God was already there. We see over and over that time, space, and matter are all correlative, meaning they had to come in existence at the same time. And we saw that in Genesis 1, where it says, in the beginning, time, God created force, heavens, space, earth, matter. All time, space, earth, matter, all in one frame. God did that, and he used Jesus to do it. Amen? He is the creator. 1 Corinthians 1.24 tells us this, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, fully unveiled, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, saints, we can trust him in every area of our lives because he is the creator of the universe. And if the God that created the universe and keeps it whole by the word of his power can do that, then he can govern my life. Amen? That's somebody I can trust. People, uh, him? Yes. Amen? That is someone we can trust and rely on. Jesus is eternal. He's the express image of the eternal God. He is the creator of all things. He's the invisible God made visible. He is the revelation of God Almighty. And that's the God that we serve. And he is the God who was and is and is to come. Amen? I'll finish the rest next time. Uh, let us review. Saints, there is nothing better than Jesus. If you doubted, hopefully you're convinced tonight. King Solomon is directing his son to value this relationship above anything else because Jesus is worthy. He's always pursuing us. He walks us through life. He is the eternal creator of all things. 
and he is the source of all life. And it is in him, in him alone, that we live and move and have our being. Let's pray. Worship team, come on up. Father, we humbly come before you, Lord, to worship you and thank you. We thank you for your word. That is through your word, O Lord, that we come to the revelation and knowledge of who you are. And Lord, we thank you that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Even though we weren't physically there, Lord, we get to read it and experience through your word and by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in here today who does not know you, who is wrestling with the revelation of who you are through creation, conscience, and the gospel, that they would surrender their lives to you today and today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we are so grateful for your great love for us, that you loved us so much that you would rather suffer the death of a criminal than for us to be eternally separated from you. Lord, what an amazing love outside of this world that you have demonstrated to us while we were still sinners. And Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We commit our lives to you and you're worthy of all of our praise. Lord, go with us in our worship, inhabit our praise. We love you in Jesus' holy name. We pray in the saints said.